When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it will be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. He speaks to you who proclaims the gospel. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This gospel today is not an easy one. You could look at this gospel and say, gosh, Jesus is being really, really harsh. Because here's this young man, he happens to be wealthy, but he's virtuous, and it's not enough for our Lord. So he gives this greater command upon him. But if we look deeper, we see this is not at all the case. Because what were those commandments that our Lord listed off? You shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not bear false witness, honor your mother and father, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all of these things I have done. Now if we go a little further back into the Gospel of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, He says, you should not commit adultery, but I say to you, anyone who has looked at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. So this young man's never done that. He says, you have heard it said that you shall not kill, but if you are angry with your brother, or if you call him names, then you have, then you have stood, you stand before the same judgment. So this young man has never been angry at anyone, ever? And again, if you bear false witness, well, in a court sense, maybe he never has. He's never lied. And then that one at the very end. Well, first of all, there's honoring the mother and father. Has any child ever always honored their mother and father? But the very last, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. How could he possibly have done that? How could he love his neighbor as himself if he's wealthy and his neighbor's not? So all of these commandments that he said, yes, I've done all those, he hasn't. Not in the full sense. In a very minimal sense, maybe he has. Technically, he hasn't killed. Technically, he hasn't committed adultery. But this is not what our Lord is asking of us. And so often in the rest of the world of Christianity, we have this very minimal standard. You do these couple of things down here, and you're good with God. You've attained eternal life, you'll have salvation, everything is good, continue about your life. And this is not at all what our Lord teaches. You see, ultimately the man was blind and unwilling. 
He was unwilling to change his heart, to allow God to work in him. And so our Lord, in a last-ditch effort, he threw this extreme thing at him, hoping, hoping that he might take this on and then have his heart begin to be changed. So this wasn't a command that he's giving to everyone, but to this man, this is what he needed, because his heart was completely closed. You see, God desires to work in us. He desires to work in our lives. But he needs something to work with. Now when I say something to work with, we think of the wrong thing. We think the thing that he needs to work with is we need to offer him our good works. We need to do the spiritual life. We need to pray and fast. We do need to do these things. But this isn't the something that God needs. What God needs is an opening. He needs a heart that wants to receive Him. And so doing all these things, if we're doing them without any uh, humbling of ourselves, there's still nothing for God to work with. And we can be just like that rich young ruler. You see, He needs room in our soul so that He can begin to dwell, He can abide there, and then the good works will come out of that. So often I get caught in the trap of, oh, if I do this thing, if I do my prayer rule, if I do my fasting, if I'm more kind to people, if I do all of these things, following His commandments, you could say, as shorthand for all of that. If I do these things, then God will be happy with me, God will love me, God will bless me. This is what we think. This is what I think, at least, so often. But we don't do these things to make God happy. To make Him love us. Let me say that again. Nothing we do in our spiritual lives to make God happy, to make God love us. You say, Father, how could this be? How can this be? We do all these things to make God happy and to make Him love us. This is not true. And why is this not true? Because God already loves us far more than anything we could ever ask for. That's already a fact. And it's only that we've forgotten that fact, or it's been obscured in our despair, or whatever it may be. That fact has been obscured, and so we think, I need to do something to make God love me, to make God happy with me, so that then God will give me the blessings. And this is not the case. God loves us so deeply, He pursues us unrelentingly, and He desires, above all else, to enter into our souls. If you don't believe me, listen to St. Paisius. Someone asks him, Yeronda, why does God love us so much? And he says, because we are his children. I can't add more than that. Yeronda, although one may be struggling, doesn't it displease God if he constantly falls into the same sins? Doesn't he disappoint God? And this is his answer. Is God expecting any progress from us in the first place? No. But we are His children, and He loves us all the same. One of the children of a father I once saw was mentally handicapped. The child was mentally handicapped. And although he kept wiping his runny nose on his sleeves, his father hugged him and kissed him and caressed him, just as the other children. God does the same thing. Being the good father... 
he, being the good father he is, he not only loves his accomplished children, but he also loves those who are spiritually weak, for whom he has all the more pained and concern. No one can grasp how much God loves man. His love is incomparable, it is boundless. His love is so vast and powerful that our earthen heart cannot withstand it. His love dissolves the heart because the heart is made of earth. This is how much our Lord loves us. And this is something that cannot be taken away. It cannot be taken away. No matter what we do. This last week I've been reading Psalm 139. And there's a line in there, Even if I make my bed in hell, lo, you are there. If I ride upon the wings of the morning to the ends of the earth, you are there. Our Lord keeps on pursuing us. That is a given. So now that we have that out of the way, and we still need to work at that, we still need to remember that God loves us unconditionally in such profound depth that we have no comprehension of it. Now we have that out of the way, so then why do we do these things? Why do we do the commands? Why do we pray? Why do we do all the things that the rich man tried to do? There's only one reason. And that reason is to clean out the mess in our soul. See, this is the hang-up. This is the hang-up. We have no room for God inside of us. We're tightly closed. Our heart is like granite, as St. Paisio says in another place. And so we don't have room for God. So when we pray, when we fast, when we are compassionate and loving and giving and generous and forgiving, all of these things, we are doing these to soften our own heart so that God can do the thing He wants to do, which is to dwell in it. That's why we do these things. We do not do them to prove anything to God, to earn anything from God, to make ourselves ready for God. This is the only reason. Think of a dirty room. Think of a kid with a dirty room. And you say, go clean your room. And we're not talking about the time that the kid is just lazy and doesn't want to do it. But the kid goes in and cleans the room in sincerity. And then you go walk in the room and you say, wow, this room is still really dirty. But they think it's clean. This is how we are. We think our souls, our hearts are clean. We think that everything's in good order. But in fact, it's not. There's no room for God. Because if our soul was, e- was clean, then these things like prayer, like fasting, they would all be easy. They would all come to us. Because God would be dwelling in us, and our hearts would be overwhelmed. This is the life of the saints. You say, how could they live in those horrible conditions, up on mountains and sleeping on rocks and doing all these vigils and things? Because their heart is overflowing with God. And what they're experiencing is way better than the the creature comforts that I have in my life. So this is why we do these things in our life. This is why we do what the, the rich young ruler failed to do. We do the commandments so that we can begin to open up our heart. Coming back to him, his heart is like an oyster. Have you ever tried to shuck an oyster? It's not easy. Try prying it open with your fingers. If you have the, the right tool and the right trick, you can do it. But the, our hearts are like oysters, tightly shut. Tightly shut. But as we pray, as we fast, as we do all of these things, it gently opens. And that's the moment God's waiting for. He's in wait. He's eagerly waiting for that moment to enter into our hearts and do the amazing work that He does. 
So sometimes we think, well, once I have everything in good order, then God will come and work in my life. God will bless me. But as for what I've just said, we see that that's not the case. God is at work at all times. We just need to make the room for Him in us. St. Uh, Silouan said, The way down is the way up. We think that a virtuous life is what God desires from us. The virtuous life is the outpouring of what God desires for us. God doesn't desire a virtuous life, but that we open our hearts to Him through the hard work of the ascetical life. He will make our lives virtuous. If we're the ones working so hard to make our lives virtuous, we're missing the whole point. The whole point of doing all these things is not to impress God. God already loves us beyond compare. So let us not be like the rich young ruler, an oyster or a clam that's closed up tight, or granite, whatever analogy you want to use. But rather, let us open ourselves up to Him. And that opening up is work, because in fact, we like the mess that's inside. We don't want to clean out, we don't want to do spring cleaning. But as we do, as we do, all of that mess, which is all of those passions that are really owning us and enslaving us, they slowly, slowly begin to lose their hold on us. And slowly, slowly as that happens, God gets in more and more and more. And we continue to taste of His love. And may His love grow in us always. Amen.